Welcome to Rise and Grind, the podcast where the best entrepreneurs, business experts, and top performers provide you with the inspiration and actionable tips that you need to be successful and live the life you want and deserve. Our goal is to become the next pods. Two million in revenue. Make your idols your rivals. And now, your host, Antonio DeMota. Hello, everybody. Antonio DeMota here. Thank you so much for joining me in another episode of Rise and Grind. And what an episode this will be. Our guest is none other than John Lee Dumas, or GLD. He's the host of the legendary business podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire. JLD has interviewed over 1,200 entrepreneurs and he has millions of downloads. John, welcome to the show and let me ask you something. Are you ready to ignite? Rise and grind nation. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Uh, John, so before you became who you are today, one of the most famous podcasters in the world, if not the most famous one, what were you doing before? Give us a little bit of your background, please. Yeah. So my background can really best be started probably after I spent four years in college as an Army ROTC cadet. So that post-college, I spent eight years in the U.S. Army as an officer, uh, four active, four in the reserves. Did a little 13 months tour of duty in Iraq during that time as a platoon leader in charge of four tanks mm -hmm. and 16 men. So that was a pretty intense experience where I definitely grew up during those 13 months. Uh, Post-military, I was like, let's get into the real world now. Like, let's, let's go traditional route. And so I went to law school because my dad was a lawyer and I hated it. So I quit after just <laughs> one semester. I tried corporate finance. I tried commercial real estate all because I thought that was what I was supposed to do, that people would respect and that it was going to be financially rewarding. And that was over six years, Antonio. That was not a short period of time. That was me really grinding for six years, trying to find my thing, not being happy, not being successful. But luckily at 32 years old, I had my aha moment and that was to create EO, <clears throat> excuse me, EO Fire, which is that daily podcast where I interview today's most successful and inspiring entrepreneur seven days a week. And here we are talking four years post-launch. I'm 36 now. The EO Fire podcast has over 1,400 episodes to date and over a million listens per month. And uh, we're a seven-figure business, so all things are working. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Uh, so how, how did you decide to, to start a, a business podcast? Because at that, you started in 2012, right? There was already some, some, some competition, maybe less than now, but there was already some competition. Why, why did you come up with this, with this idea of starting a business podcast? Yeah, there was definitely some competition, but at the same time, within that competition, I saw a niche of void that needed to be filled. And I was a person that was always in the car, always looking to consume content. I fell in love with podcasts because they were free, they were on demand, they were targeted content. And so I just loved listening to podcasts for all of those reasons. But my favorite podcasts were those that interview successful entrepreneurs and talked about their story, their journey, their successes, their losses, their failures, their ideas, etc. And the shows that did that were only coming out once a week, sometimes only twice a month. So it just wasn't enough content. And I loved those episodes where I searched for that daily show so that every time when I got in my car to go to work, there would be a fresh episode waiting for me. And it just didn't exist. So I said, hey, I can complain about it or I can just be the change that I wish to see in the world, to quote Gandhi. And I decided to do the latter. And I launched EO Fire because of that void that I, needed, that I saw needed to be filled. 
I was a horrible podcaster. I had no experience. <laughs> I, you know, did not know how to interview people. My first 50, 100, 200 episodes like show um, me going from a very bad podcaster to just like an an average to, you know, semi below average podcaster <laughs> to now where I'm at 1400, I'm significantly better, but I'm still improving every single day because this something that I grew up doing. It was something that I just knew that I wanted to see and I decided to create that thing and I've been having a lot of fun doing it. That's amazing. It's certainly an, an amazing podcast. I recommend everybody to subscribe and to listen to yeah. it. And so um, how did you start it? Because, for example, myself, I started this podcast. I got a lot of inspiration and, and tips from you. You have a lot of uh, free, uh, you know, posts and, you know, you teach how to start a podcast. I mean, it's, it's very difficult not to start it well with your help. But how, <laughs> where, <laughs> where did you get that information from to start a podcast? You do everything on your own. I, I remember you got uh, a mentor, right, to help you out. Yeah, the mentor was huge. You know, to go back to your initial point, I mean, there really was not much out there. There was a couple really poor blog posts that didn't even really talk specifically about podcasting, but just mentioned it. Um, there was no courses. There was no communities. And that's another uh, opportunity that I saw. And so that's why I did go forward after I learned how to do what I needed to do to create the things that you've mentioned, like freepodcastcourse.com that anybody can go to and subscribe to a completely free, incredibly valuable podcasting course, not a Craig Grow monetize your podcast. You know, that's why every other week I'm holding a podcast masterclass for free or for an hour. I'm just teaching people how to create, grow, and monetize their podcast, answering their questions directly. And that's why we have the premium podcasting community in the world, Podcasters Paradise, where we have over 3,000 members and growing every single day where we teach people really detailed, like everything you need to just absolutely create, launch, grow in a meaningful way, and then monetize your podcast in a way that's going to allow you to keep going forward and spreading your voice, your message, your mission with the world. So back in my day in 2012, you know, it wasn't, wasn't that long ago, but you know, four years ago is a long time in, in the internet world for sure. And I looked around and I needed a mentor. So I found a successful this podcast who was rocking it. Her name was Jamie Masters of The Eventual Millionaire. So I went to her. I said, hey, can I invest in your mentorship? And it wasn't cheap. You know, it was thousands of dollars a month. And that was tough. But, you know, even for me who had a nice bank account, that was for me to make that commitment. So I made the commitment and it was a huge, huge benefit that I did. But I knew that when I learned what I needed to learn, that I wanted to offer to other future podcasters, not even, you know, a, a relatively reasonable investment so that they could start podcasting, you know, like Podcasters Paradise is, you know, it's under $100 per month, but, you know, a free alternative for people that just wanted to get the basics and really start their journey with freepodcastcourse.com. So that was my journey and I, I don't regret it. I think that getting a mentor was huge. And in fact, you know, for two years, I mentored podcasters one-on-one. -on -one. Um, as, as it sits now, I no longer mentor one-on-one, -on -one, but I do have a couple um, great mentors whom I recommend, who I actually mentored myself. So they're, they're great. They know everything that I know. And in a lot of cases, they're better mentors than I am because they just love mentoring. So that's kind of been my journey. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I always like to ask, what was your biggest struggle at the beginning and how did you solve it? 
My biggest struggle was definitely the fear of launching because, again, I was bad and I wasn't ignorant to that <laughs> fact. Like I knew that I was bad. I could listen to the podcast and I could hear that I was robotic, that I didn't have any passion in my voice, that I wasn't natural speaking into a microphone. Any, and anybody can go back and listen to those right now. I mean that's the beauty of podcasting. They're evergreen. You can go back to episode 2, 10, 30 – and you'll hear a very different personality behind the microphone because I hadn't yet found my voice. I hadn't yet found my comfort level behind the microphone. Just like the first time a golfer takes a swing, it's an ugly looking swing. You know, you have to take 10,000 swings before you actually, you know, have this amazing, beautiful swing that just crushes the golf ball every single time or at least 99 times out of 100. And that's the same thing with podcasting. It's the same thing with everything in life. And so, you know, I look back and I was just terrified that people were going to make fun of me, that they were going to hate the podcast, the content. And Frankly, they would have if it was just me behind the microphone because, again, I didn't have much of any value to give in the entrepreneurship world. I hadn't been an entrepreneur yet. This is my first real stab at it. But fortunately, I brought on amazing and successful guests who had a lot of value to give and who actually – a lot of them were really good and at least – good behind the microphone because they'd given interviews and given talks before. So I just, you know, shut up basically, ask them a question and just let them go and provide, you know, 90% of the talking slash content throughout any given episode. So that was my process and that was my just idea that would work until I got to the point where now on episodes of EO Fire, I'm able to give value as well as my guests, but it didn't start out that way. How do you get your your amazing guests on on uh, on Entrepreneur on Fire? What what's the best way to get them uh, on? Now I guess they pitch you, but at the beginning you had to pitch them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I hit the tipping point where you know EO Fire gets over a million listens per episode, so. I'm getting over 300 inbound requests per month, not to mention my past guests, you know, that now number over 1,400 are always emailing me with great recommendations. And I love those recommendations because they're alumni of EO Fire. So they know me, they know the show, and they're usually friends with really successful entrepreneurs who are a really good fit for the show. So that's a great way that I get guests now. Um, but back in the day when I had no guests and I had no reputation and I had no audience, you know, I just hustled. I went to all of the websites that were posting the entrepreneurial um, conferences of the year. And then I would go to those actual conference pages, you know, maybe a conference that happened four months ago or that was happening tomorrow or is happening in four months from today. It didn't really matter. All I needed to do was go to the speakers list of these entrepreneurial conferences, see who was speaking, see who I was impressed with, go to their personal website page, and then use their contact form and say, hey, I saw that you spoke at X, Y, and Z conference, or you're going to be speaking at X, Y, and Z conference on this topic. I think that would be great for my audience. You know, you're obviously willing to fly, you know, to go speak for 45 minutes in front of an audience. There's probably a couple hundred people. Well, guess what? You know, I have a podcast that's going to be listened to by hundreds, if not thousands of people. I'd love if you just, you know, flipped on a microphone in your pajamas with a, you know, with a <laughs> cup of coffee in your hands and, you know, your cat in your lap if you want to. And we'll talk on Skype for 25 minutes and then you'll be done. You can go off on your day. And what's crazy is that, you know, a lot of those people, who said yes for obvious reasons, you know, their shows have now been listened to hundreds of thousands of times on EO Fire as people go back and listen to older episodes, et cetera. 
And the, again, these are the same people that rightfully so, because I've done the same thing, are and were willing to go fly 10 hours to go speak in front of 200 people you know, for 45 minutes. So I mean, the, the value exchange of a podcast can be huge where, hey, it's just like, hey, let's just jump on a call for 25 minutes and let's go. And like a great example right now, Antonio, is you and me. Once a month, I book seven hours of back-to-back interviews. And what that is is each interview, I allot 25 minutes. So every interview can be maxed at 25 minutes because I do 14 back-to-back interviews on other podcasts one day every single month. That's what I'm giving as as my time to get on other podcasts and to share my voice, my message, my mission, my story, whatever it might be, whatever the podcast theme is. And it's incredibly valuable for me because your podcast is going to be listened to people who have never heard of me before, never would have heard of me before. So it's a great way for me to spend one day getting on 14 other shows, you know, one of which, maybe two of which, you know, becomes the next EO Fire. Who knows? You know, you, you never know. But all of them are going to get some kind of listens. And here I am just, you know, again, kicking back. If I had a cat, it would be on my lap and uh, <laughs> sipping some tea right now. No, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate it. I, I, I doubt that people don't know who you are anymore, but uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> some people don't know you. There's definitely people that don't, and I love that. I mean, you know, I don't know who everybody is, and, and I'm in the industry, sure. so <laughs> it's it's just people are always coming and they're going and, you know, it's just one of these things where let's just share, share a great message. That's awesome. I just wanted to ask you something and we can move on to the to the present and future of Entrepreneur on Fire. Um, did you see traction from the very first episodes or, or just after some episodes later on at the stage? And another question I have is… Well, when... let me get that question first. Yeah, go so, ahead, go ahead. yes, I got some initial traction. I did. And I think one of the reasons is, is because it was a new, it was a unique show and, you know, it was the first daily show interviewing entrepreneurs and I had done, you know, 50 interviews before I even launched. So, I had… 50 entrepreneurs kind of waiting for their show to come out who had agreed, you know, to share when it did come out. So I had like a good launch. It was back when the market wasn't nearly so saturated. So there just wasn't as much around, you know, the podcasting was still kind of buzzing a little bit, not like it is now, like podcasting has definitely taken off popularity wise, but it was, it was, you know, it was starting to kind of bubble up and people were taking notice of this industry as a really cool and, and really great opportunity for certain areas and certain niches. So I got some initial traction, but I will say, you know, after my eight weeks of being featured in New and Noteworthy, which is the top two rows of, you know, all of iTunes in your business category or whatever category you're in, um, I definitely started a decline. Like, so I had this initial big rush, initial traction, and then a decline as, you know, I got out of New and Noteworthy, so I was no longer being featured at eye level. And then I kind of had to say, wow, like, is this the beginning of the end? But what it was, it was just kind of that that foundation that my show settled at. And then going forward, I've seen nothing but a slow and steady increase to again, where back in July of 2016, we had 1.2 million listens for the month. That's amazing. That's Your numbers are uh, remarkable. Um, I, you know, I've always thought that you know something that we do not know. Any iTunes, <laughs> any iTunes SEO trick. Am I right? You are wrong. There's nothing that I know that you don't know because I share everything that I Mm -hmm. know. I'm 100% transparent. And the reality is iTunes is incredibly secretive. Like they don't share anything. They're always changing and updating their algorithms. And to be honest, it's not a good system that they use as far as that. But, you know, they're the mothership so they can do whatever they want and they do. 
All right, that's awesome. Uh, another question I want to ask you, technical question about uh, podcasting. Um, when uh, at, at the beginning, when you had to pitch, uh, you know, those entrepreneurs to come on the show, uh, and even now that you can actually, I'm sure you have to reject a lot of entrepreneurs because you have no, no time for everybody. Do you take into account how many followers do they have on social media, for example? What parameters do you look at uh, when you accept the entrepreneur to be on your show? Yeah, there are no parameters on that area at all. I can tell you there is a fairly lengthy um, application process, but the only thing the application process focuses on is the stories that those entrepreneurs have to tell. Because for me, the success of EO Fire is successful because it's all about the story. You know, my format has not changed from episode one to episode 1401. You know, I bring the guests on. I make them share every way that they're making money so that they can really kind of they can inform and educate my listeners on ways to generate revenue in different industries and then we dive right into their worst entrepreneurial moments and I make them tell that story and their lessons learned and then their greatest aha moments and how they took that idea and turned it into success and then of course we have the six question lightning round which is really exciting too so I am really, really focused on the story. So my application is really focused on understanding what stories my potential guests have to share. And in fact, they have to submit a 60-second video of them talking to me. JLD has to be a personalized video. I've had people that have tried to like take a clip from a, from a presentation before. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> take your iPhone, flip on the video, talk into it for 60 seconds about one of your greatest aha moments and include that link to me for the application because I want to see that number one, like that they're potentially, you know, very good behind the mic, that they have a good energy, that they have a good vibe. And that number two, they know how to tell a story. So that 60 second app, um, video re uh, requirement, and it is a requirement for the application that has a lot of people saying, well, John, I'm not going to record a 60 second video for the application. That's a lot of work. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Have a good day. You know, no, I, don't, I don't need to read all 300 applications that I get every single month. Got it. Love that. So let's talk about, about Entrepreneur Fire uh, now uh, before we move to the, to the Firebolt round. Uh, what's the size of your team today? And, you know, you are extremely transparent with your metrics and revenue. Can you please share them? Yeah, we share everything at eofire.com slash income. So for the last 35 months and counting, you know, we published an income, we published an income report that shares all the revenue that we generated, how we generated it, all of the um, expenses that we incur on a month to month basis and, you know, what exactly that is line by item by line item. And we actually bring on our accountant who gives a really cool accountant tip. And we also bring on a lawyer, our, our lawyer every other month to talk about, you know, something when it comes to protecting your business, when it comes to law, et cetera. So it's, they're really helpful um, income reports. And we also record them as podcast episodes and release them too. So they're very um, helpful. Uh, they're very beneficial in both the podcast and blog formats. Um, as far as our team, we're at seven people right now. So we have um, a few virtual assistants in the Philippines who like they focus on our social media, like all of our kind of more redundant tasks that we have, like um, customer management, um, anything that we need that's kind of more redundant and to do like scheduling of stuff, um, follow ups, etc. Um, we I have another VA that's in Pakistan. He's kind of like my personal VA who does like a lot of my audio engineering and editing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then we have actual an, an in per not like a in person, but you know now we live in Puerto Rico and we hired 
a Puerto Rican to, uh, this is, you know, in the island and he's here and he comes to our home multiple days per week to kind of like sit down and work with myself, work with Kate on, on projects. And, you know, sometimes he works from home as well. So he's kind of like a, a semi virtual, semi in, in, in house employee, but he is a full time employee, um, on the payroll and he does his thing. So a total of, uh, Myself, Kate, and seven members of Team Fire. Where do you see your company? Where do you see Entrepreneur Five, uh, Entrepreneur on Fire, in five years' time? Because I noticed that you launched uh, the Freedom Journal, which is an amazing productivity tool. Uh, I would like you to mention uh, what it is to our listeners. And do you do you do you want to launch an, a, a, the type of entrepreneurial pro and productivity tools in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I'll answer your first question first, which was about like, where do I see EO Fire in five years? Because it'll be a pretty simple answer. I have no idea. Really don't look that far in the future because frankly, the world that we live in moves so fast. So many things are changing all the time. I think if I plan too far in the future, I'm just going to be wasting my time because the world's going to just look completely different, you know, in one year, let alone five years. So I think that's just too far of a time horizon in the world that we currently live in. It might work for some people in some industries, but I don't think it works for myself and my industry. So that's my attitude towards that. You know, as far as your uh, mention of the Freedom Journal, uh, the Freedom Journal was a passion project of mine last year that I said, hey, like, what is the commonality that my now over 1,400 successful entrepreneurial guests have in common? And I realized very simply that they know how to set and they know how to accomplish goals. And entrepreneurs who struggle, they struggle with that very same thing. So I said, why not create the solution? Why not bridge that gap? And I spent a lot of time and I created a beautiful, stunning, hardcover journal um, that is golden boss, golden leads. I mean, it's a beautiful journal to behold. And within that journal, it is how to accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. And it's called the Freedom Journal. Uh, we launched it in January of 2016 on Kickstarter, and it became the sixth most funded publishing campaign of all time on Kickstarter, doing 453K in uh, 33 days. So it was a wild success. And since then, we've continued to crush sales to the tune of between twenty to thirty thousand dollars every month with the Freedom Journal, just really changing lives. Yeah, I think we sold just under fourteen thousand uh, Freedom Journals to date. You know, with more being sold every single day. So it's just been really exciting to see, like that. You know, in this day and age, people still treasure and love, and maybe even more so in some ways the physical product because you know we had to really go out on a limb here and say hey this is going to be a physical journal that you can hold in your hands it's going to be on your nightstand it's going to be on your bookshelf like this is you know in this virtual world that we live in that was kind of a, a leap of faith but you know we knew it was the right move it turned out to be true and it actually excited me so much that I actually now over the next five years you know I kind of said they don't have a quote-unquote five-year plan and I don't But one thing I do know, over the next five years, um, I am going to be writing more journals. And the next one that I've actually just completed the first draft of is Self Mastery Journal. Master of Productivity, Discipline, and Focus in 100 Days. So we're really sticking to that theme of 100 Days, which completely works. And I'm really excited about this journal because I, I poured myself into this, where the Freedom Journal, like I saw that my guests were successful accomplishing goals. So I really studied, researched, and made that the focus of the Freedom Journal. Self Mastery Journal was all about my strengths, productivity, discipline, and focus. And then I, you know, I guide people on how to master those three traits in a hundred days for themselves. And it's not going to be available till um, January of 2017. But if people want to get on the interest list and get a some cool gifts and really cool updates, they can head over to selfmasteryjournal.com 
But of course, if you're already like, well, okay, that's cool. Like I'll get on that list, but like I want the freedom journal. Well, I'd be like, duh, everybody does. It's amazing. <laughs> Head over to uh, the freedomjournal.com. That's awesome. I will link that to the show notes. Cool, and uh, yeah, with pleasure. I wanted to ask you very quickly uh, because I like to you are the third or fourth entrepreneur who has been in the army. Uh, what's what's the hardest thing to be an entrepreneur or to be in the army? Uh, to be an entrepreneur, you know, the thing about the army, it's not easy per se, but you always have someone telling you what to do, giving you orders. So, you know, if you keep your head down and follow orders, you're, you're pretty much going to be okay. I mean, of course, there's some dangerous parts about being in the army <laughs> recently when, you know, I spent 13 months in Iraq. But the reality is, you know, you always have someone to be telling you what to do. But with an entrepreneur, oftentimes it's just you. Like you are the person making the decisions, holding yourself accountable. And like that's one reason why I think the self-mastery journal is going to be so key because I train people how they can be productive, disciplined, and focused as entrepreneurs. And those are three critical steps of every entrepreneur becoming the most of what they can become. Love that. Love that. Okay, so before we jump to the final world round, we have two minutes left. Uh, what was the biggest mistake you made when you started Entrepreneur on Fire? Well, I'll make it quick and simple. Like I, I was terrified to launch, so I didn't. I delayed my launch for five weeks for no good reason. And every podcaster I've seen since has delayed their launch for stupid reasons just like me. So if you're listening to this, just launch. Goodness <laughs> sake, just I'm launch. Guilty. <laughs> I'm guilty Everybody of charge. Yeah, I've never, never been a podcaster who hasn't. So. All right, that's awesome. Okay, John, let's go to the Firebolt round. Are you ready? Let's hit it. Okay, favorite business book? The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. All right, awesome. Favorite online tool? Schedule Once. Such a game changer. Awesome. Favorite entrepreneurial and or motivational quote? Try not to become a person of success, but rather a person of value, Albert Einstein. Love that. Somebody successful you admire and follow? Hmm... Michael O'Neill, Solopreneur Hour. Awesome. Uh, knowing what you know now, and if you wanted or had to start a new business today, what would you do? I would uh, sit down, craft exactly who my avatar is, meaning the one perfect listener for my podcast, reader for my blog, whatever thing I was going down. Like, what is that one perfect person that I want to serve more than anything else that I would go out? find a couple of those people that, that match those traits and just have real conversations with them, always ending by saying, what is it you're struggling with most? Awesome. And what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Relax, dude. Like, you're young. <laughs> like, you don't have to conquer the world tomorrow. Just chill out. Find something that you're excited about and add value to the world and just do that. All right. That's awesome. John, I, would, I, was, I wanted to ask you, how can our listeners reach you? But I think this is self-explanatory, so everybody knows how to reach you already. <laughs> EOFire.com. That's it. All right, John, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Antonio, peace, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. And that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode with the legend, John Lee Dumas. The show notes are available at risinggrindpodcast.com forward slash episode 43 if you love the show please do not forget to subscribe and leave a review on itunes i would really appreciate it of course also feel free to send me an email or leave a comment on the website also follow us for a lot of visual inspiration on instagram and twitter at rise and grind hq in case you missed last episode episode 42 we had a great one as well with lucas judis from mid-stage ventures a venture builder in the next episode, we are going to have another amazing guest, Deb Gabor, and it's going to be an amazing episode about branding. She's a branding expert. You cannot miss it. Until then, all the best. <laughs>